Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Nā mihi nui and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ with me, Alison Balance. In late 2017, I joined Thomas Mattern from the Tawaki Project in Milford Sound, where he has been working with Tawaki, or Fiordland crested penguins. These rare, secretive birds nest under large rocks in the forest, which makes them very hard to find. Here we are in 2017, on the hunt. Oh, that's quite a tight foot. You can't see the birds, they're no. somewhere in there. <laughs> so there's a penguin in there, but it's way back, huh? Yeah, way back and well out of our reach. Yeah, that's what makes it really tricky to work with these, uh, with these penguins because they're so inaccessible, so secretive. Nothing like uh, emperor penguins or king penguins or any of these large colony birds that, that hang out in the open in their thousands. This penguin keeps to itself. It's the most difficult of all penguins to research. Difficult habitat, challenging, move around, nest out of sight. Thanks, Kerry-Jane. That was Kerry-Jane Wilson from the West Coast Penguin Trust and we also heard from Thomas Mattern at the University of Otago and the Tawaki Project. So, that was a year and a half ago, and the reason they were looking for the elusive penguins was to retrieve GLS or Geolocator System tracking devices to find out where the penguins were feeding while they fed their chicks. The answer for the well-fed Milford soundbirds was that they travelled very few kilometres to find their food. They stayed mostly inside the fjord. Next, Thomas wanted to find out where the Tawaki went in the non-breeding season, and that has turned out to be a remarkable story. We were quite interested what they do once the chicks have fledged because they disappear from the fjords and nobody knows uh, where they go. A lot of the tour boats, they, they just claim that the penguins all migrate to Antarctica and we knew that was very unlikely. So we stuck some satellite transmitters on birds after they had finished breeding and we found that the penguins travelled tremendous distances, even though they just had a few weeks uh, in preparation for the annual mold where they have to be back at their, their breeding colonies. They travelled past the Auckland Island, past Macquarie, down to the heart of the sub-Antarctic, halfway to Antarctica at least, and all that within a time of eight to ten weeks or so. Um, so they practically ran a marathon when they really their main goal was to gain weight. So how far was this journey there and back? Some individuals covered nearly 7,000 kilometres in, in nine weeks. So they travelled about 1,000 k's per week, which is, yeah, wow. <laughs> and what was the area they were travelling to? 
the core of the subantarctic so they, they they were nearing the polar front which is that frontal region where where the circumpolar current that that runs around antarctica uh, borders on a bit warmer water in the subantarctic so a huge distance it's the longest distance uh, that any penguin we know covers at that stage of their life history so they go on this enormous marathon then they come back to fjordland yes which is puzzling. I mean, there are quite a, a few nice islands on the way, like Macquarie and the Antipodes, where they could go to Malta. But no, they travel all the way back to the mainland, to their breeding sites, to, to shed their feathers there. So penguins have these catastrophic molts. They have to stay ashore where they lose all their feathers, which is a lot of feathers, isn't At it? At once, yes. looks like a firecracker experiment with a pillow gone wrong. It looks pretty funny actually. How long does it take them to molt? Three to four weeks and they lose more than half of their body weight during that period so it is really really crucial for them that they arrive in tip-top shape back and I mean that's the thing if you need to be as fat as possible to to survive not only three and a half weeks of starvation but also uh, growing 150,000 new feathers um, you have to be as fat as possible and yeah running a marathon to do that just seems counterintuitive doesn't it? (laughs) So they finished molting, they've now lost a huge amount of weight again, but it's a few more weeks before it's time to think about breeding again. So then what do they do? Well, once, once they're, they're through with the molt, they, they do pretty much the same. They visit the same, the same region, they go down south again, travel a bit further. More importantly, um, they take their time. They aren't as fast, but they go to the same general area down in the, in the subantarctic. And that is something that, that we weren't aware of. Fjordland penguins are usually considered birds of the temperate zone, like yellow-eyed penguins and little blue penguins. But they're crested penguins, and um, all other crested penguin species live and breed in the subantarctic region. So it is really a return to their ancestral homes outside of the breeding season. So it's not that they're going down for really rich food pickings, you don't think? I assume there's some really good food down there, but the paradoxical thing about it is there's even more and even probably even better food around the New Zealand mainland, so they wouldn't have to go all this this distance. Unless there's some, some unknown superfood down there that makes their trip worthwhile, they leave when the primary productivity around the New Zealand mainland is at its peak, when many other seabird species start breeding, like yellow-eyed penguins, little blue penguins, they all are at, at, the, at the peak of their breeding when Tawaki go on these tremendous journeys, so they... they don't really have to do that to find food, yet they still do it. So we think that it's just, you know, hardwired in their brain to go down to the subantarctic region because, yeah, that's where they come from. Thanks, Thomas. That was Thomas Mattern from the University of Otago and the Tawaki Project. And the returning penguins, by the way, are still travelling and transmitting data. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ first aired on the 6th of June 2019. To listen again or check out photos, just head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. While you're there, why not sign up for our free weekly email newsletter? We are a free podcast, and you can subscribe on your favourite app, whether that's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any of the others. You'll also find my other podcasts, Elemental and the Kākāpō Files there as well. Elemental is celebrating 150 years of the periodic table and has recently covered the chemical elements gallium, germanium and gold. The 2019 Kākāpō health crisis continues to grow, with 35 birds currently in vet hospitals being tested for a deadly fungal disease. 
You can find plenty of other podcast series from RNZ at the podcasts and series page of rnz.co.nz. Stay in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter, where we are RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Bye for now. Matewao.